If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Rickenridge with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. Our number 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. We'll have more time for your phone calls coming up this afternoon. Got a few other things I want to get to as well. You know, certainly as uh, we navigate uh, 2020, everything it's uh, throwing at us, it's uh, very much a global situation. And, and in a weird way, I suppose, it's, it's kind of uniting us all because we're all kind of going through more or less the same thing. Obviously, this uh, pandemic is not the same everywhere, but it's certainly something we're, we're all collectively uh, thinking about and worrying about and talking about. Uh, our next guest has uh, kind of a, a unique look into just how global this all is and uh, what it's been like in other parts of the world as we look at how 2020 has unfolded and even going back to, to the early days of this year and the early days of this pandemic. Uh, journalist Ethan Liu visited uh, Beijing in January to visit his dying grandfather, not knowing that he was uh, embarking on, on a journey with kind of come to define 2020. Uh, he's written about all of this uh, in a new book, which is called Field Notes from a Pandemic, A Journey Through a World Suspended. He's going to be part as well of a WordFest event uh, coming up on Thursday. Uh, featuring a number of uh, different guests called The Way We Flatten. You can find out more at wordfest.com. But joining us uh, to talk a bit more about uh, this new book and uh, what he learned in his travels in the uh, earlier part of 2020 is the aforementioned uh, Ethan Liu, journalist, uh, author of Field Notes from a Pandemic. Ethan, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Rob, hi. Thank you for having me. It's interesting because, you know, as a journalist, uh, as an author, you think about the projects you want to do, the stories you want to tell, but sometimes you just kind of, I guess, stumble into them because this wasn't ever intended to be a, a book project on, on your part. This starts off for you as as very personal kind of uh, journey. Yeah, and I really wish I didn't have to write about it. I really wish there was no pandemic, but so the book begins right in the thick of it. And I was leaving Toronto, as you said, to see my dying grandfather. And it was while I was in the air that the city of Wuhan, it was sealed off from the world, which was quite an unprecedented thing. And I think I, I entered the plane in what, what I thought was a normal world, and I just exited the plague, and um, everything just escalated from there. It did. So talk a bit about... Your, your journey here and, and, you know, where you went from Beijing and how you ended up traveling to some various hotspots and, and at what point you realized that this was a story that needed to be told. Uh-huh. Well, I, I, I think that the, the realization came pretty soon because um, I think despite everything, I was I, I felt lucky to be in China when I was because if I had been there just a day or two after I would not have been able to see my grandfather at all because 
it was while I was in the senior's residence with him that they banned all the visitors. And I was literally kicked out of the residence while I was there. And I, I will never forget that scene. Uh, while my grandfather has very severe dementia, I think that's a baser part of the brain that's more primal and resilient. And I'm sure he could feel the tension in people's voices, you know, the heaviness of the footsteps, the, the cold emptiness of the residence. And I was holding his hand when I got ejected. And as I was letting go, he just held on with all the strength that he could muster. And so, and after that, I was in China for, for about a week more in, 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 I think, quite a harsh lockdown compared to, to what we experience here. And it was there that I, I wrote, a, I wrote quite a lengthy article for McLean's, and that was the genesis of the book. So how long did you end up spending in China? Um, not too long, just uh, two weeks. And, and then I, were, uh, I, I ended up in Singapore after that. And... Singapore was very normal when I went there. Um, politicians were telling people not to wear masks and nobody had died yet. Quite a peaceful place, but over a month while I was in Singapore, the, the situation took a darker turn. Uh, and then I was in Germany after that. And when I left for Germany, there, there was still no pandemic uh, in Europe yet, uh, or at least the people there didn't feel that there was a pandemic. And the Germans were still holding soccer matches um, with ten, tens of thousands of fans. And the French president and his wife, they, they went to the theater. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I clearly didn't see this back then. And a great part of the book deals with how um, collectively we, we, had, we had this blind spot. We did. Why do you think we did? Uh-huh. Well, I, I think it's part of human nature. You know, uh, uh, there are studies that show that and I write about this in the book, that we subconsciously view our future selves as different people. Um, and, you know, we, we were designed for threats that were, that were up close and carnivorous, you know, like bears, bears and such, and predators. And when we process danger, we, we, we still view it with that, not with our higher order thinking, but with, with a more base and primal part of the brain. And, 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 you know, something like this, something that is abstract, something that, we don't really see in front of us. And I don't think many of us, we, uh, we, we process it in, in that rational way that we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of what you write about in the book is, is you know, how this is all kind of changing our world, maybe still in ways we don't fully understand or appreciate. But at what point did it become obvious to you that this was going to be a part of the story of, of 2020? Uh-huh. Well, I, I, I think to, to see how, how, I guess, in my view, at least, how this will change our world, it is when um, you have to look at how the, the plagues of the past have affected us. And I think for me, I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff. And when back then, when I looked at what was happening, I think so much of it was, uh, it, it, it just evoked so much of history. And back then, there used to be a time where, when the governments, they didn't have a big role in the, in the lives of their people. Uh, they, they collected taxes. If they were to go to war, they conscripted the men, but that was about it. But it was because they had to deal with plagues that they started looking into the people's health. They started putting people's information into a central database. They started looking after their borders. They started hauling people off for quarantine. And, and then people also had, they, they began to have, have this idea that the state has an obligation to take care of its people. So from all that, 
uh, the idea of the modern state was born. So a lot of what we know today and take for granted, we, we owe it uh, to the plagues of the past. And so I think similarly, as we move forward, um, right now people are beginning to have uh, uh, have an expectation for a bigger role of the state in their lives. Uh, for example, CERB, it was, in my view, it's quite unprecedented, and it's definitely paved the way for stronger voices uh, clamoring for universal basic income. It's interesting, too, and, and the question of globalization, how integrated we are as, as a planet. I mean, certainly that, that makes the world more vulnerable to uh, to a pandemic, as, as I think we saw this year. Do you see that that changing? Do you see uh, how we, we interact as, as nations, as, as people? Do you see that changing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a part of my book deals with how uh, the reason that this pandemic is affecting us this way is because of how interconnected we are. And we have a great comparison with SARS. And SARS did not wreak nearly this much damage because back then, China's share of the world economy it was only a quarter of what it is now. So now China is four times more connected with the world. And the world itself, everyone else, is also super connected. In the book, I write about how a simple toaster, that that requires 400 different components. It's sourced from all over the world. Um, so we have intricate webs of, uh, of supply chains laying on top of each other. And small disturbances, they can have really big effects. And, uh, and out of this, I think, governments and co- governments and companies they are starting to realize that um you know when you source things from all over all over the world you get the cheapest things but you you it comes at the cost of resiliency and and i'm, I'm sure governments and companies that they're going to start rethinking the way they have been doing things in terms of the the uh, the global order and China's place in it, as you say, China is uh, much more important globally now than it was even during SARS. Uh, certainly, China has its its own ambitions in terms of uh, having power and, and influence and, and economic power. Uh, how do you, how do you see uh, China's position coming out of this? And and is it is it still dependent on how the rest of the world responds? What's your sense? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the most interesting things to me uh, about the pandemic is uh, China's place in it. And uh, in a part of the book, I write that uh, China is definitely taking advantage of the pandemic to rise. And it, it was the first to be hurt badly by the pandemic, but it recovered really quickly. And it is restarting its economy while others are shutting that down. And and a second wave has returned to Europe. We, we see brutal lockdowns returning to Europe. And, and the U.S. is just uh, mired in all sorts of chaos and stupidity. And and, and China, um, it's been going around doing a lot of this face mask diplomacy. And when there is a vaccine, I'm sure you'll be doing this vaccine diplomacy. It's been giving a lot of aid to lots of countries all over the world, trying to position itself as sort of this uh, new uh, new world leader, at least trying to give itself the, the image of that. And one one glaring thing is when the U.S., for some reason, it pulled funding from the WHO. And the next day, China stepped right in, uh, mm. upping its contribution. So, And I, I think China definitely sees this as, a, as an opportunity to... Uh, and this is a direct quote from uh, one of their officials in one of the reports from a think tank. They want to leapfrog. 
Yeah, and they're, they're certainly going about doing that. I mean, it, it is it is a dilemma. I think there are some legitimate concerns about how the World Health Organization operates and functions, but pulling back and, and allowing China to assert even more influence and authority, I, I don't know how that, that leaves us any better off. And I think there are a lot of these dilemmas we face because in a lot of ways we are dependent on China. China's influence and importance continues to grow, which then makes it harder for us to to take a step back, even if maybe this is the time to do so. How do you see countries like Canada navigating some of these dilemmas going forward? Uh-huh. I, I think Canada is in a uh, is in a very precarious situation i um you know canada is, is only a middle power it, it 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 depends on you know the so-called liberal international order it gives it its prosperity its freedom its security and and china is definitely a threat to that um and i i, I think it, there there is no stopping uh, a peaceful rise of china and that's what the world needs to pressure China on. Um, you know, if, if the ambitious and hardworking, uh, they, if they want to succeed, uh, you know, uh, the most American thing to do is to let them. Um, but, and China, I think, eventually has a role to play in the world as a sort of leadership position, but uh, not, not the way it is doing now. And certainly, I think pressure needs to be exerted for China to rise in a, in a more constructive manner. Let me just get some thoughts from you on, on how this all ends. You know, we had some really promising news this week concerning vaccine development and the prospect of, of having a real game changer, the possibility of having a vaccine that can kind of bring back a lot of normalcy. And you, you think about where this journey started for you just as the world was changing. What do you make of that prospect that we could get back to that? And, and whether this is something we'll all just put behind us and never think about or talk about again? <laughs> well, I, I think I definitely think that it's a very optimistic and ambitious view. <laughs> um, I, I very much want that to happen, but um, I, I, we, we, should, we shouldn't be putting so much uh, optimism in, in the vaccine. Um, eventually, I think distribution is going to be a nightmare. And and you know we have a vaccine for the flu but how many people actually take it and the, the flu still kills so many year after year and, mm. and you know you have to take it again every year and, and we, we also have a very big uh, uh sort of anti-vaxxer population so and I, I i don't have all the solutions for for what, what to do but i i don't think it's a very clear open and shut case of just us returning to normal yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. Well, that uh, book is now available. It's called Field Notes from a Pandemic, A Journey Through a World Suspended, and uh, more details at WordFest, uh, this event that you're going to be a part of uh, on Thursday. Ethan, it's been great talking to you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All the best. That is uh, author and journalist Ethan Liu. Again, his book, Field Notes from a Pandemic. He's going to be a part of this uh, free event that you can uh, watch in real time or after the fact at wordfest.com. It's coming up on Thursday. It's called The Way We Flattened. And so a few different perspectives on this whole situation. So more details again, wordfest.com. All right. Welcome back. More time for your phone calls here. We've got a few other things to get to as well. My name is Rob Breckenridge. You're listening to Afternoons on 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.